Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. Just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, their online client, MTG Arena. And this week we have some news for you. We've been talking about it for a long time, many episodes, almost a month now we've been talking about this. Uh, we're going to be going into standard again and talking about the new ban and restricted announcement that happened this last Monday. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on the scale of bronze to mythic and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, this week, I brought a beer called Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> I was just seeing Marco and I keep turning the can. I'm like, I swear it was called Marco Polo, but Polo appears on the other the side. The other side, yes. Um, yes, and it is an Italian style Pilsner, which explains the name. Marco Polo. Um, this is funny that... Uh... Okay, mine is exploding everywhere. Oh, geez. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think this up. Give me one second. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's back. We jumped forward in time a little bit as we cleaned up that mess. Um, but anyway, I'll open mine now. I didn't realize you opened it. I thought that it just like exploded. I got too excited. Yeah. I got too excited. Um, yeah, and yours was fine. Yeah, mine was perfectly fine. So I don't know what's wrong with you or if you're just <laughs> shaking beers up as you're running up the stairs. I don't know. I guess um, I was sprinting around. I didn't even grab my glass. So we're just drinking from the can on this one. Wow, look at you go. <laughs> uh, well, all you know, over the place tonight, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, we've had a, a busy day, both of us, and we're, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think we just really need this beer to calm down and like, let's that's right just to chill out. Um, but anyway, with that, we have some magic news. Ooh, I started that without even drinking the beer. Mm, this is a great episode so far. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have the arena championship number three. Uh, it was this last weekend and Nathan Stoyer didn't win. I know it's a surprise. What? It's just, just yeah, a shock. I don't even believe you. I'm going to have yeah. to go check the results myself. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm pretty sure he didn't do very well at all. So um, it, it just proves that he's human, uh, yeah. which is a huge relief because I was getting. Or is that there. just what he wants us to think? Oh, maybe, maybe. You know that we're on to him, and he had to throw the results. Yeah, um, but anyway, like I said earlier, uh, there was a banned and restricted announcement this last Monday. We've been talking about it for a long time. It's finally here, and we can really just see what's going to happen to standard and what the future is for standard last week we talked about a fake uh ban list that had come out there were eight different cards on that list and we wanted to see how many were like real or not this banded restricted announcement had three cards uh jeff what were the three cards that got banned from standard Okay, no longer legal to play in the standard format are Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Reckoner Bankbuster, or Invoke Despair. Can't right. play those. You can't play them anymore. Um, hopefully you uh, are in our Discord channel and took our advice to craft all those cards before they were banned so that you got your wild cards because they were given out today. 
um that's which well, i'm pretty sure by the way is the reason there's like a one day gap in the banning and when they're when it goes live on arena is because people would complain that they don't have time to get the wild cards otherwise. oh to to actually like buy like pay wait sorry what do you mean are you talking about the players wouldn't have enough time to go and craft the cards so that when they get banned, yeah. they get the Oh, okay. yeah, because it go it went live like immediately on MTGO, mm -hmm. but it it's always like one day later on Arena. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they probably got feedback early on. That's like it's not fair that you're giving some players free stuff and like free interesting. Yeah, I did hear I I I haven't thought of it like that where it's like hey we're giving you an extra day to be able to log on and like actually craft uh, the cards so you can get the wild cards for them being banned um interesting i hadn't i think so and i think what they should do is just they go live immediately and they just give you the cards in your collection like that's so much easier than me having to craft it and also be in the know a little that's, bit that's true and then them reward me like if i don't have these cards just add them to my collection and i'm allowed to play them mm-hmm in uh, older Other. formats or whatever so you don't have yeah. to like waste wild cards on it that would make a lot more sense yeah. instead of like hey what don't spend your wild cards on oko because you can't use it or whatever yeah. yeah uh but in the corner case of like in brawl i guess you can or whatever um anyway yeah that's so weird why don't they just do that but I it's know. also super annoying that i'm all excited to play yesterday and then i just run into like red black mid-range and i'm like it's well, true <laughs> i'm excited about the bands i want to play post band standard and i can't yeah that is really Weird. frustrating and i didn't play at all yesterday because of that exact reason where i had a moment in time where i was like oh i could play magic i was like wait no i'm not going to because i'm just going to wait till the bands come to effect uh yeah. which does suck that you know they're the the premier digital format the one that had a really big tournament this last weekend that's supposed to be like the face of like digital play exactly it doesn't happen immediately like mtgo supposed to be all excited for standard and then i just go in and it's everyone like i don't know if they just love red black so much they're trying to play it while it's on its last legs or if they're trying to take advantage of people trying out new decks and like climb the ladder quickly or whatever but so many people are just still playing this I'm gonna say it's the second one because it's also close to the end of the month, and so everyone's trying to get it uh, before everything resets. I'm not that. I'm not that high though. <laughs> that's that's true, um, but you know, who knows? Yes. It, it uh, people will do what people do, um, but at least we do have that little window to like craft the cards if you're able to do that. Um, and yep. get your 12 rare wild cards which you should i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that's the reason yes they want to give people the time to claim their free prize yeah but for some reason don't feel like just giving it to them <laughs> yeah because then you know maybe there's a corner case they get something out of it i don't really know what they get out of it but uh anyway i was going to say that the 12 rare wild cards that you did get you should probably use to craft your shock lands for explorer just mm. just just a thought always just, a good investment yeah just start investing in lands real estate it's so hot right now yeah. and always always has been um we'll probably talk a little bit more about that 
But first, I just wanted to actually, no, you know, we'll just do that later. We'll go down the list and talk about all the different cards in another portion of this, because um, we also have just a quick thing is uh, Universes Beyond Lord of the Rings has officially started previews. And the the set's going to come out on Arena on like June 20th, and it's only legal in Alchemy and Historic. There will be a draft portion for that, which is probably the extent of what we will cover on that set will probably be draft. This is just kind of a forewarning. We're going to a spoiler season that the arena regulars is kind of stepping away from. We're not really going to talk a lot about it because we don't want to. (laughs) That's that's, that's it. It's our show. We're going to we're going to talk about what we want to talk about. (laughs) Look, I think the Lord of the Rings, you know, I like the Lord of the Rings. Um, I have read it and my favorite character was of course Tom Bombadil so I'm mm-hmm. super glad they made him into a card because he was shamelessly shamelessly overlooked in the films um but realistically this is not you know we love standard and explorer here we're we're kind of cold a bit on alchemy and historic and so realistically, this is a set that I'm going to draft a few times, but because I'm not building towards a collection that is relevant in the formats that I play, I probably won't draft it as much as I even would draft a regular set. Mm. So in, just in terms of overlapping and the type of stuff that we talk about and that we like here, the set's just, um, you know, it's, it's just not really intended for us. Yeah, Exactly. Um, And so we felt it might be disingenuous to try to fake that enthusiasm for you and talk about like formats we don't really play. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we just want to be a little bit forefront with you out there if you're listening. Um, If you're looking for something like that, there's going to be a ton of folks talking about it. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to find that stuff. Though, um, like you said, I'm still interested in drafting it and seeing what the draft format is like. So stay tuned. I'll play it a few times because it's going to be fun and cool to play it like it seems super flavorful and stuff so yeah um, and and the card art is fantastic all of it yeah. is like beautiful so um check out all those cards get no excited for there. all your decks and stuff you know i might go to a pre-release or something it all seems great just um in constructed not not really you know it's a little bit less fun going into a draft where you don't care about any of the cards right uh, like, like no rare enough. drafting what yeah that's so like, weird Making a no pass list and like going through that and figure out what I want and stuff is like half of the fun. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out the different archetypes is good. But, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just be like, eh, I don't know what to do with these. So that is that. Um, but Jeff, let's talk a bit about the arena championship number three that happened this last weekend, because, well, it's a little different than what we were expecting, I think. Yeah. So I would, I would say macroscopically, you yeah. know, at a high level, we were essentially right in that we were kind of talking about how it was going to be Rakdos versus stuff that dunks on Rakdos. Yes. And ultimately that's correct. Mm-hmm. However, this quote unquote stuff that dunks on Rakdos, um, was more like some of the decks we talked about, but then there was one that's kind of the breakout of the tournament that obviously wasn't even on our radar. Because it was um, brewed up by these, well... Team Handshake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
basically the best magic team in the world at the moment mm-hmm. so you know it's <laughs> it's at least uh it's at least something right yes. they didn't come with a pile of trash no. so um yeah that was unique and then some of the decks i think that we thought might be there but aren't necessarily one of those two things I actually ended up doing a bit better because there was more of this beats Rakdos going on than maybe we thought mm-hmm. and so decks like soldiers monoite stuff like that didn't necessarily just get you know boiled alive by Rakdos because they mm-hmm. were able to maybe Dodge. beat some of these decks that beat Rakdos yeah um so for the like kind of metagame breakdown um there were technically nine Rakdos mid-range decks of, of 32 players. So the percentage of like pure Rakdos was 28.1%, um, but you also had Grixis Reanimator and Grixis Midrange and Rakdos Breach. So mm-hmm. those all have the same type of Rakdos shell with different flavors smacked onto them. Um, so it's not, it's not saying like, if you look at the metagame breakdown, it feels like, oh, wow, that's not nearly as much Rakdos as we thought. Um, but the cards that got banned were very relevant in a lot of the decks. And so it will do a lot to to change those things. And, um, you know, I I think that's great. But when you look, we look at the top eight, the top eight is like, it it's very flavorful, you know? Yeah, the top eight looks great. Yeah. So Jeff, what what are the top eight decks that we're looking at? Okay, in no particular order, we had uh, Jeskai Dragons, Rakdos Breach, Celestia Enchantments, mm-hmm. which I'm glad we talked about, uh, Five Color Ramp, Azorius Sh- Soldiers, Jeskai Dragons again, Rakdos Midrange, and Mono White aggro so that's two Rakdos mid-range decks Rakdos Breach is just Rakdos mid-range that goes a bit yeah. bigger and two Jeskai Dragon stacks and then four one-ups yeah which is awesome because those are also like mono white aggro and Azoria soldiers were the only players playing those decks that made mm-hmm. it to the top eight which is really interesting Celestia Enchantments and Rakdos Breach also they only had one other person piloting that deck. So it's just cool to see, like, I know it's a small tournament, so there's only 32 people. So most of the choices are metagame dependent. And so that's why I think that we got, you know, everyone's kind of looking towards specifically, do you play Rakdos or the thing that beats it? Um, So then we had like zero Esper Legends, which was really interesting to me. Yeah. But it must mean that it has a horrible, does it have a horrible matchup against Rakdos? I didn't. I like... I think it's it's not the best against Rakdos. Mm. Um, I think it, it's probably in that situation where it's a little bit of an underdog to Rakdos, but would do better against the type of stuff that beats Rakdos. Kind of mm-hmm. one of those things, and so that would be playing on like level three, where you're like, oh, people are going to bring decks that beat Rakdos. I'm going to bring a deck that is almost as good as Rakdos, uh, but is slightly better against the decks that beats Rakdos. Uh, I think most people probably just weren't willing to do that because it's, it's it's usually a bad idea. I've done yeah. it too many times. <laughs> yeah. I also think that like 
going that deep, like, I don't know if a small tournament you would be rewarded in going that deep in the metagame unless, like, I just yeah. doubt that many people are going to, um, like, actually let that take control and, like, they'll succumb to that that type yeah. of mind game playing. The only reason to do it is if you're just really confident in your ability to pilot that deck, like, way more than you're confident in your ability to pilot Rakdos, mm -hmm. for example, like that's when you would see someone bring it to a tournament like this. It's like, oh, I've just played this every standard, like for the past year, I qualified with this. This is what I know. Yeah. And I'd rather, you know, master the, the new matchups of the metagame rather than learn a whole new deck. Um, yeah. But in terms, if you're just picking a deck and you have no particular like favoritism in terms of your play experience, mm -hmm you would pick Rakdos over Esper for this tournament, I think. Gotcha. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I, it just, I was really surprised. Oh, well, first off, this is, we usually say this at the very beginning, but like, um, yeah. how much of the tournament did you get to see? Uh, I watched more than I expected. So I have an interesting, uh, story is a strong word. I have an interesting experience with this tournament. So, okay. um, some time opened up in my weekend that I wasn't really expecting. Um, so I was like, oh, there's a magic tournament going on. I guess I can watch. Um, but it was like day two, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I decided normally I might try to go watch a bit of day one, skip through some stuff and then watch it, like try to get a, a overview oh. of the whole tournament. I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just jump in. Mm -hmm. And that was day two. And so by that point, like I was expecting to tune into like, oh, Nathan Stoyer, our only undefeated player is still mm -hmm. there um, piloting Rakdos or something. And so I was surprised to find out that he did not have a great start to his tournament, was actually no longer in it. Mm -hmm. But I jumped right into Seth Manfield playing. I think he was one match loss. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he was piloting Celestia Enchantments, which is a deck that we kind of discussed at the very end of our uh, standard yeah. metagame discussion um and so i was like oh this is cool and so i watched i ended up just watching a bunch of matches and i was like oh you know what like i'll not watch and then you know after the family goes to bed around 9 p.m i'll probably be able to catch the top eight with some skipping and stuff and so i was all set to do that and then when I went to watch the top eight, I must have fallen asleep immediately because I remember literally nothing of the top eight. But um, I did watch a bunch of just day two standard matches. I got to watch nice. um, Andre uh, Strasky mm -hmm. play absolutely amazing match against, uh, was that one again? Like he played a couple of matches, but there was one in particular that was quite uh, quite the match. Um where he basically, they kind of traded top decks in game two. And, oh man, who is he against though? Drawing a blank on that. But uh, I basically got to watch the Jeskai Dragons do its thing. Yeah. And so that was real. I was really glad I caught that match because I started to understand exactly what the deck was about. It might have been against Luciano. Um, mm -hmm. on yeah. Rakdos. So I'm, I am excited. I'm interested to hear um your take on um this Jeskai Dragons deck 
or as I saw um, on Twitter, uh, specifically uh, Amy the Amazonian, who I think is hilarious, um, but she was posting uh, tweets just saying like, why don't we just call this deck Jeskai Orcs because it has the same amount of orcs as it does dragons, yeah. uh, just because it is playing our team up of um, the dragon or like the real reason why you're, they call it dragons is because Zergo and Ojitai is the like dragon pair, but I mean, I kind of want to call it just guy orcs now, but like, that's just, <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Um, I wonder if team handshake did decide to call it just guy dragons, because I know that, um, uh, Frank Karsten usually puts together these, um, the metagame breakdowns. And so he, uh, goes on Twitter sometimes and polls, like, what do you think I should call this deck? Um, mm -hmm. and so people would sometimes vote on stuff. Uh, so I'm sure that yeah. it got voted down with Just Guy Orcs, but I, it, in my heart, it's, it, I wanted to call it Just Guy Orcs forever. Um. <laughs> yeah, I've also heard the suggestion that came up on air uh, of call it, of just you know admitting that it's a blend of both, calling it Just Guy Dorks. Just Guy Dorks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you didn't watch this tournament. And you haven't run into this deck online yet. Um, basically, it's just your standard like good Jess guy stuff. It's all the stuff you've seen before. Um, previously, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, um, Wandering Emperor. Mm -hmm. You know, like a couple of counter spells, a couple of removal spells. I would say the key cards of this deck are Invasion of Gobicon, which we've talked about a little bit on the show. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically the the battle that comes down and it paolos your hand so it uh you look at their hand you get to choose a card and it costs two more mana for them to cast and then if you transform it it becomes this kind of like ultra glorious anthem kind of thing where every time you attack everything that attacked gets a counter but the key in this deck is that it you can sack it to give something or your team actually everything hexproof and mm -hmm. indestructible and it pairs that with Zergo and Ojitai, which is a 4-4 flying haste that when it deals damage to an opponent or a battle, conveniently enough, mm -hmm. um, you get to anticipate. And it has Hexproof the turn it comes down, and you can bounce it back to your hand after you do that. So the idea is it'll always has, have Hexproof, but you have to recast it every turn. But when you use it to transform the invasion of Gobicon, it's sort of just always that you don't have to bounce it now because the the other side of the invasion can give it hexproof itself and also indestructible so it becomes very hard to interact um it's basically just a big old dragon that's going to get bigger and bigger every turn and you can't interact with it yeah and it's drawing your opponent counter spells so it, mm -hmm. once it gets into that situation this deck has like a soft lock on you that um Unless you're just like chock full of resources, you're basically not going to get out of it. Yeah. It's also good in this meta and against Rakdos midrange because uh, those decks don't have a lot of like reach or flying creatures, flying blockers specifically. And so yeah. it can, it kind of gets like a free, a free flip on Invasion of Gopicon, which I, I think, <laughs> so I love Invasion of Gopicon and I talked a bit about it when we were discussing, um, like some uh, soldiers decks and, and some things um, in our standard episode. And that's when I was like playing with it a lot more and it's the type of card I would really like. Um, 
but it's so funny going back to like i think when we were first looking at battles i was like making fun of that card because uh because it was just like the plane it is because it's the tail light shield thing but the card is so good <laughs> yeah and i love it i love it um and that card uh has is one of the reasons why a lot of these other like this deck specifically it's like a key piece to this deck and mm -hmm. um a couple of the other like aggro decks like you need to be playing that card because it it protects and and pumps which is what you want it's just yeah. oh. anyway yeah um, does it all right disrupts protects and mm -hmm. pumps so uh, yeah it's it's it, it's a card that reads better than i think or plays better plays than it better reads, than it reads yeah i think uh, I thought it was okay when I read it. My issue with it was always that you had to like sacrifice damage to get more damage. And then you also sure. had to sacrifice damage in order to play it in the first place. So it was like, mm -hmm. is this too much for an aggro deck? I think in a deck like this, it makes perfect sense. Like this, yeah. this is a no brainer. After Team Handshake shows it to you, you're like, oh yeah. For Duh. sure, yeah. Uh, not a no-brainer in the sense that I would have come up with this deck myself, but no. after seeing it, it's like, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so a few things about this deck. Like you said, it's kind of built to prey on Rakdos a little bit. It's still a pretty solid deck overall, so mm -hmm. it would have legs, I think, in a more general metagame. Um, but I suspect they were expecting even more Rakdos than they saw. Mm -hmm. Other thing about it is it's, it's very tricky. And with tricky decks like this that are very protect the queen kind of thing, um, it's not as easy to play as you might think. This is one of those decks that you lose to and you're like, oh, there was nothing I could have done. Like, such an easy deck. And then mm -hmm. you play it and you're like, oh my God, I have so many decisions every turn. Or you like watch Andre Strasky play it. And you're like, wow, that deck is so good. And then you play it and you're like, wow, this deck is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so don't just, I, I would hesitate to craft this. You know, A, the deck that it was designed to beat is out of the metagame. B, the best card in this deck is banned. <laughs> and C, it's not as easy to play as it looks. So uh, maybe yesterday was uh, you know the day of the bannings, or like Sunday or Saturday over the weekend was the time to try this deck. But mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't go like running out to all spend all my my new wild cards on Zergo and Ojitai. Yeah, which is also a really good idea just in general for this entire tournament, um, yeah. and these standard decks, <laughs> which. A lot of the time, and it's really easy, and I fall into this a lot too, is that when you see a deck on on stream, but like on a tournament, sure. though, those teams specifically specifically for this tournament as well. It's not even just the pro tour, which there's like hundreds of people playing. This is 32 people. It's really not that many. And so they are building decks specifically for that metagame. And all those people knew that cards were going to get banned right after it. So like all these decks are basically like, well, half of them you can't play because they're banned. And the other yeah. half were specifically built to beat the deck that isn't played anymore, just like you said. Right. So um, so yes, don't do not do that with any of these decks, not even just this one. Um, For sure. And, and the other thing I wanted to call out about, the, uh, out about this deck is if, if you want to beat this deck, 
Like you can. This deck's pretty soft to counter magic. And also like Shieldred's Edict just kind of LOLs at this deck because it's trying to protect its hex hexproof creature with the uh, creature tokens mm -hmm. as a as a means of protecting against edicts, but Shieldred's Edict doesn't care. Yeah. So if more people knew about this deck, they'd be just sideboards would be jam-packed with Shieldred's Edict and this deck would have a much harder time even beating Rakdos. Yeah. So this was like a bet. This was like, we're going to beat Rakdos if they don't bring a ton of Shieldred's Edicts, which mm -hmm. to be fair, none of them really did. So Yeah. Yeah. But it does have a, like, it, this is one of the first times we've also seen like Invasion of New Phyrexia um, yeah. around, which is uh, nice little one of yeah just having this little one of is really cool and i wonder how it's going to go like continue into this new um this new standard that we're having it's like where where is this going to go and like the rest of this deck is just like you said all creature tokens and oh you know what the match i was thinking of was that blew my mm -hmm. mind it was andre against antonio abreu who was on celestia yeah their game two was crazy like I'm talking both people had double digits number of creatures. Yeah. And Andre pulled it out literally just by like a hair on, uh, and Antonio even sussed out a few things that Andre had in his hand and blocked appropriately, which almost would have been impossible. But basically, and Antonio was holding out for a big turn with, um, the enchantment that would give all his creatures flying if he had enough spirits and enchantments. Yeah, hallowed haunting. And yes, and uh, Andre wouldn't have been able to block that. So Andre had to get aggressive with his ten trillion night tokens that he made mm -hmm. off of uh, <laughs> off of that exact invasion. Um, but Antonio had Cathilda, uh, which was as lifelink, mm -hmm. and so. He needed to block exactly right so that none of Andre's removal would be able to get the, like, there was some first strike stuff and he could have braid on top of it to kill the Catilda before damage mm -hmm. to be dealt or certain stuff like that. He blocked exactly right. And then I think Andre, like, cycled into an Ottawara and then it just, like, trivialized it and oh. bounced the thing anyways. But, uh, like, I wouldn't have even used Lauren to cycle there if I was Andre. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he did meant he recognized the exact situation. But it was an extremely complicated board state. Yeah. And uh, the whole game was very back and forth. That was the, the match that I was so glad I watched. That sounds crazy because yeah. that is, I don't know if you feel this way or a lot of people feel this way, but there's sometimes at a certain point when a matchup is so complicated like that, my brain just like loses it and i'm just like you know what attack all and like that's i was like i can't i yeah i, I can't deal with this anymore it's... i feel like my brain reverts right to like i'm aggro i attack mm -hmm. all or i'm i'm sure. not aggro i sit back and antonio was like you know switched back and forth between who was ahead and who was behind but antonio recognized super early on that Catilda was like that's the, the way thing. he's going to win this game. And he just wasn't attacking with it ever. Yeah. And uh, Andre had multiple turns where if Antonio had attacked with Cathilda, he would have been cooked because that it would have died and he would have 
then like and, and it took it required multiple cards in his hand but Antonio like sussed that whole thing out and then would have won because he just built out his board with enchantments and then eventually recognized that Andre had very few flying blockers this was his path to yeah. victory and he could use the Catilda as like a life buffer because it's a huge life linker and I was like I don't know if I would have found that line <laughs> and That's... he very nearly pulled it off wow well they both made the top eight so that's that's exciting and they ended up um i don't believe they were playing against each other ever in the top eight because uh so this is the point of the episode where we say spoiler alert but um (laughs) andre makes it to the finals and he ends up losing to Benjamin Broadstone, who was playing Rakdos Breach. So yes. through all this- Congrats, ben- Benjamin. Congratulations, Benjamin. Um, it's it's awesome to see your name up there because I I didn't know who you were until this, which is really exciting. Yeah. So it just kind of proves like, you know, whoever you are. I don't know if he's really well known in, in like other tournaments or magic things, but he seems like a young guy and was able to to take it home. So that's- you know, gives you hope for all of you out there mm-hmm. hoping to be able to do that. Um, you you too could be winning Arena Championship. I think he got thirty thousand dollars or something, and he's going to the World Championship. Like amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get to watch any of his matches. Uh, as I said, I happened to fall asleep before the top yes. eight. Yeah, I do think that he, uh, his deck was the perfect choice. Like in retrospect, when you mm-hmm. look back on the metagame. Because so many people brought decks to beat Rakdos, and generally the way you beat Rakdos is to go bigger. Mm -hmm. And he just brought big Rakdos. Yeah. And then was like, okay, you can't go bigger than me. So, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And if if you're confused, the the breach in uh, Rakdos Breach is Breach breach the Multiverse. What is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because uh whatever cards whenever a deck says breach i think underworld breach and i'm like that's that's not legal so what's going on um but but yeah you've seen this deck as soon as breach the multiverse came out we've been seeing it around so it's not uh, a super unknown but that is the hard thing with the rakdos decks for this tournament and what's been happening in the past is like picking the right flavor of rakdos which does that mean add a color does that mean go bigger, go smaller. What, what is that? Um, and in this particular case, he, he picked right. Yeah. I think his deck sacrifices a bit of game against stuff like Azorius soldiers or mono white aggro, because he's cutting some of the lower end stuff for big scores into the breaches to yeah. facilitate the breaches, mm-hmm. but probably maybe has an edge of the matchup. Cause he can go over in the mirror match. Sorry. Cause he can go a bit over top. But then sort of incidentally, probably has a much better, I mean, he kind of proved he has a better matchup against Jeskai, beating it twice in the top eight mm-hmm. against Austin Bersavich and Andre Strasky. Mm-hmm. Those are no easy players to beat no matter what they're playing. So yeah, um, obviously a great player with a great deck. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say Andre Strasky, you know, two years ago, or maybe it was even just a year ago, was saying that he was going to quit magic he's retired he's done and you know we've seen him come back in other tournaments and do well but like this is the one where he got like the closest to to being crowned and so it's like oh he's definitely definitely all in it's uh yeah 
<laughs> just cool to see. Um, yeah, I think they were joking. It's his like fourth retirement comeback or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just I mean, it's it's not just that, but like the you know the big reason why he wanted to retire, or a lot of Magic players wanted to do that, was because they felt like the play system and like the organized play system was uh, screwed up, which it was. And William Huey Jensen, Jensen, thank you for coming in and fixing everything because since he's been hired basically and, and their plans have been implemented, everything seems to be running really smoothly and it's it's been great. Just yeah, just great. Yep. Um another deck I wanted to call out was Antonio. I watched him play a couple of matches. He was fantastic and he brought Celestia enchantments. I mentioned that I tuned in to like when I turned it on, it was Seth Manfield piloting Celestia Enchantments. Mm -hmm. And if you listened to the show a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, I think Celestia might have some legs. Like I've gotten my ass kicked a few times by this deck. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not just uh it's not just like an arena ladder thing. I think this is a real deck. And so that immediately made me happy when I see Seth Manfield also thought maybe the deck was a little bit real. Um, but I remember being completely, completely blown away when I saw Seth's deck list. Yeah. And there was too. no Calyx in it. Yeah. Zero. No zero. No main deck and no sideboard. And I was like, oh. So I was right, but for the wrong reasons, because I thought the deck was good because of Calyx. Seth, I think, identified it was just good because maybe it has an edge against Rakdos. Because it's pretty good against um, just one-for-one one removal. Mm -hmm. But there were a few matchups where the one-for-one one removal worked okay against Seth. Because he'd play his you know, one-drop, gets killed. He plays his two-drop, gets killed. And then he's just missing a bit of overall power when that has... The dust has settled after that mm -hmm. and you know here we see antonio actually made the top eight with celestia and antonio chose four calyx baby main deck yeah, so, main deck um you know maybe maybe antonio was right maybe seth was right and you know just broke that way but uh i'm glad at least one person decided to bring Calyx into this event mm -hmm. and Antonio played amazing and obviously ended up doing very well. So I think Antonio's version of Celestia is more what I had in mind and more what I was losing to. Mm -hmm. um, but just nice to see a deck that we probably haven't actually seen in any competitive event really before this. We haven't. Um, some of these cards we, we haven't really seen since um, Kamigawa first came out. And we were yeah. playing runes, or sorry, we people were playing runes. I was playing <laughs> runes. Um, I played some runes. I played yeah. actually competitive events with runes. So. Yeah. Can't, oh, can't right, hate. right, right, right. I remember that tournament. Um, yeah. It was uh, so. This is great. I think uh, Seth Manfield was uh, he favored Rite of Harmony over Calyx, so they were using different like card advantage engines. Mm -hmm. in that way and then uh seth was also main decking katilda which uh and so he had just was favoring that card just in general maybe against uh shieldreds or things like that to be able to like fly over and gain life so you don't have to worry about actually killing them um 
but Night of Harmony is pretty rough against children, though. <laughs> yeah, I I also just Rite of Harmony is is not my I don't like favorite. I don't like Rite of Harmony. Yeah. Um, just because needing it needing to do to needing to use your draw spell to play and have to play more cards on top of that, especially when it costs like four on the flashback. How are you ever pulling that off? Because you have to be like super flooded and not dead already. You know, right. it's just. I don't know. Not I think to... of it as like a combo card. If you have the Jukai Naturalist, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, like then everything costs one and you, you can see it. Oh, I have five mana. I play yeah. this and I play a bunch of one drops and some of them are the, the dog and I draw a double and I feel like mm -hmm. it's amazing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. If, if, if it were me, I would have favored the Antonio's version, which is lower to the ground, more aggressive. And then Calyx as its sort of powerhouse. Exactly. Like it gives you extra removal because you can copy your um, seals from existence and your ossifications and stuff, um, yeah. which just seems better and more exciting to me. And definitely the the deck. So of the tournament, this would probably be the deck that I would be playing or looking towards, just because it seems to be just just what it is. It's like uh, linear, and it for the most part, and doesn't really lose any cards from the bannings. So yeah and one of the things i was wondering about this deck is like is there room for invasion of gobicon in this list i know it's not an enchantment but there's none in the 75 here and mm -hmm. this is a white based aggro deck that if it flips you know is super powerful i don't know what i would cut I think it's the hard part, but yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's kind of flip it and it, it would help give you some disruption. Yeah, I think, I, th I think the things that are most interesting about Invasion of Gobicon for this deck is the disruption early and then the mm -hmm. protection late, but the counters might seem a little trivial because a lot of your other stuff gives you counters um, because you're using like your uh, generous visitor wants you to play enchantments to to put counters on stuff. And then Calyx also does that as well. And so adding another card that's not enchantment so it doesn't trigger off of those things and it doesn't help get to seven. Like imagine the scenario where you're like, you have your hallowed haunting and you're just like, I just need an enchantment or a spirit and you draw Invasion of Gobicon. And you're like, this is just not, like if this was an enchantment that I had to take out, I would be so much happier so it would be interesting trying starting with like two maybe but like i really like that card and so i do i think that's really interesting um but i think my mind would auto correct battle to enchantment far too often for me to play the deck that's correctly true. yeah there <laughs> that uh you know i'll maybe... just play this even though my opponent has nothing in hand because it's an enchantment it'll trigger all my stuff all my stuff um yeah maybe what you do is you just cut right of harmony and you play one invasion of gobicon and see what happens <laughs> yeah yeah i was thinking like sideboard to bring in events yeah where you really wanted disruption um but uh, yeah i mean like the the one thing we need to see well you know what we can talk about this after the break because that's talking about the like standard in the future um mm -hmm. but as far as the tournament goes um do you have any last thoughts before we go to beer break um 
I think I just want to reiterate basically what we've been saying. This tournament was kind of cooler than we thought. I think even the players that the decks they brought show, I think the players were expecting more than, you know, one quarter Rakdos midrange. They're expecting like maybe 50, maybe even higher in a small tournament like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just nice to see that not only did that not happen, but the top eight was also like about as diverse as you can possibly expect from mm-hmm. this event. Um, so this was kind of pleasant surprise. Um, there were a couple of shout outs, like someone brought Boros midrange. I think it's super cool. I don't think they did particularly well, but they brought it. Um, and so, you know, really great player decided that deck had some legs and might be good in certain yeah. matchups. So I think, I think two um, players brought Boros midrange. Oh, two Boros. So yeah. I saw the one, I think I just saw the first list and was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, and one thing I'm just noticing scrolling through the deck list is that if you look at Antonio's deck list on the official website, magic.gg, when you hover over a seal from existence, mm-hmm. it actually links to Aurelia, the war leader. And that yeah. threw me off when I was like scrolling through the, just like getting all the images of cards. Yeah. So I was like, wait, what? Do you, how about you <laughs> scroll over to Surge of Salvation as well in the sideboard? Surge of Salvation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Grand yeah. Corpse Force. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Magic.gg has some problems with their uh, <laughs> their deck lists because if you if you know the cards well, you can go through and you'll know what things do. Surge of Salvation is a card I like a lot, so I I know what it does. But yeah. uh, it links <sighs> to the to Grim Grin Corpse Born, which is just obviously not the card and not even any of the colors of the deck. And I don't know how that happened and what's going on with their whole website stuff but they got to get that fixed because it's it's embarrassing honestly <laughs> like also notice that literally identical lists are presented in different orders i wonder if like the players submit it themselves or something and maybe that's what's going on yeah but, uh, it would be helpful if identical lists were presented in the same order so that at a glance you know it's the same list you could tell or even better, they could just like have the identical list and then just have all the names of the players just, who are playing yeah. it because it can be rough to try to look through some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I have a lot of feelings about magic.gg in general and that website, so we don't need to get into it. This is this is the worst of their problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the least, the least. Yeah, yeah, the worst of their <laughs> The opposite of what, what yeah, I said. Yeah. Anyway, Jeff, let's, uh, let's finish these out, grab another one, and get on to the future of Standard after the bans. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, if you head over to our Patreon page, you will get to vote on your favorite co-host by clicking this big old button that says buy Jeff a beer. Yeah, or you could vote for your real favorite co-host by clicking the button that says buy Zach a beer. Because mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to remove that one. Well, yeah, you you probably should because everybody keeps clicking that one and nobody's clicked yours. So uh, <laughs> anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host, which is me. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis or awesome deck lists, mm. we love that too. Best place to do that is on the Discord channel. The link should be in the show notes. 
It will be. And Jeff, I got another beer for us tonight. Um, All right. This one, I will say, before I explain the name um, or show it to you, uh, you know, we we got this beer and may have forgotten that we should have just opened it last week. But uh, you'll you'll see. Um, This is from Eastbound Brewing Company, and it's called Let's Go Exploring. so you know we're talking about standard makes sense you you know what jeff we we are exploring the new standard format there we go yeah maybe maybe that's the title of this episode Um, don't worry that last week's episode was about explorer (laughs) hindsight's 2020 it's true it's true (laughs) anyway so this is a double dry hopped ipa it's six percent and those two hops that are being dry hopped are uh, idaho seven and simcoe uh, if you're interested in those types I of things. I love Simcoe. I don't know much about Idaho 7. Perfect. Um, I also love Simcoe and don't know much about Idaho 7. So hopefully this yeah. will give me a little bit of uh, flavor into that. Uh, so let's crack this open right now. I will oh also God. say... This one exploded too. What are you doing? Just not as bad as the first one. It's okay. This one, this one doesn't require me to All run right. away. All right, you still have the rag. That's it good. Yes, it's it's right here. I should just keep this right by my desk. You know, maybe that's something we should have on our Patreon, Jeff. It's just like a oh shit, the beer overflowed rag. And it, maybe that's what you know, it says. Not later. a bad idea. I, I think that's a pretty good idea. Maybe we should um, <laughs> we should think about that. Maybe invest in it. Um, or. Or the other thing would be like a big play mat that you use for your mouse that just has beer stains on it already. And so then uh, you don't feel bad when you spill more beer on it. Yeah, just it takes us weeks to make those, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Well, sorry. Okay. I meant like the pattern on it. Like we made a (laughs) graphic. I think it's more authentic if we use it and authentically spill beer on it. Yeah, but then. I want them to be able to actually wash it so that like it will be mm. washed and clean, but still have the beer stains, whatever. Right. We'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Um, go to our Patreon or Discord and tell us what you what you would rather have in the Patreon if we were to make something like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, cheers to exploring standard. Cheers. Are there chunks in yours? There's, I don't know if you can see this. They're like chunks in mine. Uh, I don't have chunks, but huh. I definitely had beers with chunks before. All so right. maybe yeah, this is this is the least <laughs> filtered IPA I've ever had. <laughs> uh, I've definitely had like on the show. I've definitely had beers with chunks in it, and I was like surprised that you didn't say anything. So I'm glad that mm. you're you're mentioning it right now. So uh, we can immediately say that Jeff's beer was um, either. well filtered less than mine or also that you got like one that was lower like mine was off the top and yours was off the bottom yeah yeah i mean i forget what that's the name is escaping me the stuff that the sediment sediment because mine overflowed the sediment mixed in that that makes a lot of sense did did the indie ale house also have sediment or could you not tell because you didn't have your uh your my cup so it was um, pilsner so it would have been would have been less yeah that's true anyway let's uh let's jump back over to some magic talk um so the tournament is over we finally have our banned and restricted announcement we can say goodbye to fable of the mirror breaker 
Reckoner Bankbuster and Invoke Despair. Uh, Jeff, I want to talk about what, what we feel about these bands and what we would have hoped for more of or, or anything like that, or maybe less of, I don't know. Okay. What are, you, what are your thoughts? All right, here's what I think about the bands. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> okay, dad. <laughs> I'm a dad, so I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, you know, we were talking about a bit in our Discord channel, stuff like that. Um, this is about, I was saying it's the lamest possible bands. You were like, no, they technically could have done labor. But like in terms of realistic, like we knew Fable was getting the axe for mm -hmm. sure. And then I think, um, you know, like we've, I've talked enough about the stupid vehicle, but uh, Reckoner Bank Buster was also pretty likely to get banned just because it's a colorless card that was in almost every deck. Um, whether that's rightfully in every deck, whatever. Um, yeah. Their their point about it did make sense to me, where they were saying, like, everyone's just defaulting to this as a card advantage engine because it's colorless and is, like, known and tested. And that pushes out pure card advantage cards, because it's like, why would I play a card that just draws two cards when this card's going to draw two cards and give me a blocker and give me like mm. maybe a, a token at some point to even crew it itself. Like it just does it all itself. So even if I think the card's a bit overrated and like realistically too slow for what people are playing it for, it is a good point that like people are going to default to this if they're looking for a slow card advantage engine and why would you play a different slow card advantage engine? Like this is the one you're going to play. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting just talking about like, it also pushes out uh, creatures that can't crew it. So yeah. like if you play a regular creature, it has to have three power because it has to be able to crew the bank buster, um, which is another reason why um, uh, blood tithe harvester was good or is yeah. good. It's a point they made. I didn't actually it's something I hadn't really thought about. So it's a good point in that sense. I don't know how true it is. Like, I think, I think without this card, you'd still be seeing a lot of Blood Tithe Harvester. And like, this didn't stop people from putting Fable in their deck, which creates a bunch of tutus. And like, you have Rafine and stuff. Like, I don't know, a lot of the creatures people play are, that it's just, they play them and it's not really about whether they crew Reckoner Bankbuster. I don't know how many creatures made it on that decision and how many actually got cut because of that but yeah i, I think I, it's I, I take the point i just don't know how true it was in the metagame we were actually witnessing yeah um some of that the other things <clears throat> that i didn't like about reckoner was that um, it being a four four was big enough that like I, I don't think this is the reason why green isn't playable but having this colorless four four that just like happens to be around and like hits really hard some of your green beaters don't seem really exciting anymore because they're just like yeah everyone it, it eats into four. green's territory as mm -hmm. just power and toughness for not a lot of mana yeah uh so sure. that was something that was like okay the culmin like all these cards were just like the culmination of a lot of little things 
ended up being why they were oppressive. It wasn't all just like, hey, this card is busted or bonkers. It's like just all the little incremental things that happen over time. It's like it just ends up working too well with a bunch of other stuff randomly that just like it, they just need to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think. Um... Yeah, I think it like I think there are two worlds where this card this card does nothing or this card gets played in every deck. And we happened into the world where this card gets played in every deck. Like mm-hmm. imagine a world where aggro is actually good. Yeah. Then nobody plays this card ever. It's like maybe a sideboard card. Um that maybe has cool interactions with Tezzeret and it just occupies such a different space. Mm-hmm. But in the world where everyone's playing mid-range and like you can take turns off to do this it ends up being a bit of a auto include um even though again in this weekend every time i saw rakdos play the announcer said multiple times oh well they're not going to kill bankbuster here because it just doesn't matter and they're not going to kill shieldred here because it just doesn't matter that was almost every time those cards were on the battlefield. And I just mm-hmm. feel like I'm the only one seeing this. Like, the world is crazy. But <laughs> everyone's just like, Shield is such a powerful card. But in this context, it doesn't matter. And then the next game, oh, Shield so good. But here, you're not going to waste your removal spell on it because it doesn't matter. I'm just like, how many times can you say it doesn't matter and also say it's too good or something like Anyways. Um, yeah, well, so... <laughs> I like that you bring up Shieldred right now because that was another one that was like on people's chopping block. But basically, you know, I don't know if we explicitly said this in the episode we were talking about all these bans, but like it's less likely they're going to ban a card from this year's rotation than any of the cards from the previous ones. So that's why Shieldred seems to be one that was like probably not. Like they'll probably keep Shieldred around just because just because um but the other yeah. cards were like wedding announcements uh the wandering emperor rafine atraxa which atraxa you said was ridiculous which i agree and plaza of heroes which is also a, a newer card from this year yeah i think if it were up to me rafine and wandering emperor would be on this list and then we'd have five mm-hmm. that would actually shake up the metagame um we can talk about Invoke Despair briefly. This just feels like really piling on to the one deck because I don't know if, if the deck would have even been the top deck anymore. Once like cutting Fable is probably enough. Um, but okay, because Fable enabled Invoke Despair. That's kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this feels like a bit of a drive by against Mono Black. It's like hey, fuck you too, Mono Black. Yeah. It's like. We're gonna take out mono red. We're gonna, or sorry, red black. Mm-hmm. We're gonna really beat that into the dust, and then also mono black. Yeah, you're unplayable too. The whole yeah. your whole raison d'etre is now gone. Um, but whatever. I don't. I don't think anyone's gonna shed any tears over that. And I think people are just tired of this card. So I'm fine. If they left it off, that would have felt like a pretty similar bad list to me in terms of how the meta game's actually gonna shake out. But if that's the case, let's add it just in case it is still good and mm-hmm. people still hate playing against this card. So yeah, sure, let, let's throw Invoke Despair into the mix. The reason I say like, I don't think this goes far enough is because like, aren't people just going to play Esper now? 
That's what I was thinking. And that's what I think a lot of people have said on the internet as well, that like Esper is going to be the new best deck. Esper didn't like lose anything. Um, because people who are saying that mono white mid range didn't lose anything, all those desk desk, all those decks were playing record or bank buster. So, um, yeah. that was like one of the two, two drop card advantage things that they would use. Um, and, and like Reckoner Bankbuster is like a card to fill in to these monocolored decks, right? Like, mm. Oh, yeah. I just have this card that I know is going to be good in certain matchups that I don't, you know, I, I don't have to worry about the card selection being scarce in my single color because I have this colorless card to go to. So they all get worse. The other thing is mono white, like, you know, the, I almost feel like, what's the best way to explain this? I almost feel like this might step the metagame back a bit because based on this past weekends, we had all these decks that like can beat Rakdos and Rakdos is still the best deck, but you know, there are tools against it. And I look at some of these decks and I'm like, isn't Esper just going to troll this with like, Thalia's like just with so much disruption with counter spells and Thalia's and like you know not being touched at all by this ban list like are you gonna play five color against Esper? Mm -hmm. I think you're just gonna get rocked and so the stuff that was good against Rakdos is like now we just have a new mid-range deck that was almost as good to begin with and just is better against all the stuff that we had spent all this time like building to beat the stupid red black deck and this like completely just didn't care at all about about the esper deck i'm just like i understand that on some level it's more fun for esper legends to be the best deck in the format than like rakdos best cards we've printed in the past x years it's true like Esper Legends isn't particularly awesome. Like it's not like it's, you know, Esper party. No fucking way. No, no, no. <laughs> um I well they gave Esper Legends an awesome try land that they refused under any circumstances to give to the party deck. The that's party true. Deck, the worst fucking land of all time. So. Yeah, but like the they made they have preferences over there. They did not make Plaza of Heroes for Esper almost, Legends. It's almost they, like all of their, you know. You know, most of their fan base really loves legends or some shit. But. Yeah, I mean, like they they turned off planeswalkers, so now they're legendary creatures, and they're making cards for a format that we're not playing. Obviously, <laughs> it makes sense. Duh. Um, it is funny that like uh, one of the things that's like so uh, Esper Legends plays Grelf because Grelf is awesome, but one of the cards that was really good against Grelf was Reckoner Bankbuster because you can't. The Reckoner Bankbuster will always Can't be able to block pro, pro colorless. Bankbuster. So that was another reason why I didn't like Reckoner Bankbuster because it would always block. Uh, <laughs> and it was also too big and I couldn't ever make one of my things big enough. Um, so that was always annoying. So I'm kind of happy it's gone. But that was one of the ways that you could combat Toxic in that in that way. Right. Um, but yeah, I uh, I also feel like Esper will get better, but does this also mean that like or counterspell is going to get better too? Um, I guess with Thalia, not really, but like blue has been so 
bad recently. The the fact that we're 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 getting rid of a powerful sorcery, a powerful enchantment, and a powerful well debatable powerful artifact means that like people won't be main decking a braid anymore. We're not gonna have to worry about enchantment removal as much, and uh, basically like. I don't really have one for Invoke Despair that just kind of did all of those things. But like, if you want to pack stuff against Shieldred and like, that's what I was trying to talk about Shieldred earlier, which I got off topic because I get scrambled. But um, going into- I had stuff to say about Shieldred as well. So yeah, sure. I'm so, sure I derailed us, but- No, no, it, it probably wasn't you. Honestly, it was me. So don't even worry about it. Um, but the fact that we don't have to have all these different uh, cards to try to like, since we don't have to worry about Fable constantly, and we don't have to worry about Bankbuster and some of those matchups where people are are playing a braid so they can make sure they can get like when they're having the mid range mirror wars where you're like, I got to kill their Bankbuster so Mike can give me card advantage over them. Um, dealing with Shieldred is going to be a lot easier because you don't have to have that weird like split of like how many removal spells do I need for enchantments and then also cards that could hit Shieldred possibly and blah, 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 all that stuff. You could just be yeah. like, fuck Shieldred and she can't stay on the table and it's fine. And then everyone yeah. will see why she's not as good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not banning Shieldred makes a lot of sense. Um, for basically the reason you just said, like another way to to put it is people had to commit so much removal to Fable because mm. you can't let the 2-2 token survive and you can't let the 2-2 copier survive. That's two removal spells. So by the time Shieldred rolls around, you can't kill it. And then it looks and... a lot better than it actually is. Mm. Not to mention when Fable draws two cards, you gain four life. Mm. When Bankbuster's drawing the cards, you gain the life. Like the cards they banned were really, really synergistic with Shieldred, like, and then Shieldred, if they banned Shieldred, it would have been one of those, like, Shieldred died for the sins of Fable kind well, of not, things. Well, not only that, but Invoke Despair also gained life off of Shieldred when you did that. Because yeah, it you, gained you, even more life than it normally did. Well, no, because normally it, like... you. Oh, normally it makes it, you lose life. It makes the yeah. opponent lose life. And so then, like, it would put <clears> the 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 gap between the two players' life totals right. further like and four further. four-point life swing just yeah. makes it feel, yeah. Having that, like... It curves right into it. Exactly, because yeah. it's like it's turn two point, bank yeah. buster, turn three fable, turn four shielded, turn five invoke, and you're just, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Um, right. And the fact that, like, the black-red midrange deck is drawing this many fucking cards is, mm -hmm. and, like, blue can't stand a chance is nonsense, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, right. it's like you would want Shieldred, like in a vacuum, if you're looking at Shieldred in the, in the regular color pie, you would think blue-black because that's the type of stuff that would... That's who draws cards. That's who draws yeah. cards. That's the kind of deck you could play. I don't know if that's like an infantile way of looking at it, but like if we're not looking at any other card in any other set, most of the time that looks like a blue-black deck. So... It's... Yeah, trust me, Shieldred will not feel... I mean, I already thought she wasn't overpowered in the previous format, but mm -hmm. if you thought that, try to play the new format. You'll see a couple of copies of Shieldred in the Esper Legends deck, which is likely to be the best deck. Mm -hmm. um, which makes it's sense. It's not going to feel... 
in that deck, it didn't feel anywhere near the same. That deck has a similar thing going on where there's so many must-kill threats that maybe Shieldred's the last person standing and it just mm-hmm. feels rough, but almost anything would kill you there. Like, you've spent all your removal, they just have some four-drop. Almost mm-hmm. any four-drop wins that game, right? So um, just be mindful of that. Shieldred's not going to feel quite the same when it's not two-drop I have to kill, three-drop that produces two things I have to kill, like four-drop... Mm-hmm. I can't kill it now because I spent everything. And then a five drop that just dominates my resources. Like, it's not the same. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, in that deck, you can see, like, Rafine will be able to draw you a bunch of cards with children, all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I agree with you that it won't be... It... Shielded always seems to be like the card that ended up killing you at the very end when you weren't like prepared for it or thinking about it. And if you ever played a game where you're like, I'm just going to make sure that that make sure that I don't get to a place where I can die to Shielded. It's similar to playing against like mono red. It's the same stuff. It's just a different color. So you're not used to it being like, I can't let my life total go to six because I could die. Right. Like that's, it's the same thing. Yeah. And honestly, like, you won't be playing Fable yourself, so you won't have that super annoying thing where your opponent slams Shieldred mm-hmm. right as your Fable's about to go to Chapter 2, and you're like, oh man, do I draw two cards off this? It's a lot yeah. of life. Am I trying to like draw into a removal spell? How much do I care about this? Should I... All that stuff, yeah. Um, so. But yeah, ultimately, I just have a hard time imagining that this ban goes far enough. And like they're talking about the thing that frustrated me was in the announcement they said we've talked to all kinds of players and the unanimous feedback was that excuse me our bands were too disruptive they were you know there are too many of them and it was too random the random part maybe mm-hmm. i have a hard time what sir thinking about what survey they took where the enfranchised competitive players said there are too many bands. I, I, <laughs> so when they say all the players we talk to, that immediately gets replaced with on Twitter, like everyone on Twitter. Like that's the word. It always runs through my mind whenever they're saying things like that. As like, I know you're looking at Twitter. You can't say that you're on Twitter looking at stuff like that. Um, similar to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they read some stuff on Twitter, but like, they're not going to base a, a big company change feasibly on it. But like, I, it always feels like that. That's like, yeah, but, you're but saying... they explicitly called out like from tournament competitive players all the way down to like casual players trying to enter their first F and F. And I'm like, bullshit. Unless you're referring to some ban you made a day before a big event. That, like, that's the only time a tournament competitive player would care. Yeah. And they're purposely fixing all of those things. So like, um, the, the one thing with this ban that is strange is that we're getting it earlier. We're getting it for the summertime because we won't have another standard format until uh, September. So they wanted to do something to shake it up. Um, it, ha- it isn't clear whether we're going to get more standard bands in August, right before the, the, whatever, three weeks before the new set previews or whatever that is, the rule is. Um, 
though it seems to be like that will be normally the rule. But then after mm -hmm. that, they're purposely putting any type of like, if they have emergency bands, it's going to be like the Monday after the pro tour for that set. That's like basically how they're setting it all up. They're like, we're going to do it right after the biggest tournament. Like that's the point. That's why we're doing it. We're trying to make, like they're just trying to be consistent, which I think is really smart. Like this might not have been good enough and we will find out, but they also are giving themselves the window in August to be like, you know what? We didn't have enough. Here's some more. Um, and we just have to bear through the summer, I guess. But like, people but here, play- Here's the question, I guess, like, given the new system, assuming they were to stick to it mm -hmm. and um, and like they printed Neon Dynasty mm -hmm. after the new system, how long is Fable of the Mirror Breaker in the format? It kind of feels like at least the same amount of time, if not more than it actually was. Like they're not going to use these three week. It, it's not, it wouldn't have been caught in three weeks after the set. No, 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 no. Yeah, are you saying, do you think, because Neon Dynasty was out in like January, February, by the time August rolls around, is it a big enough problem that we have to ban it? Right, like they specifically said for standard, it has to be like a breaking, you know, Felidar Guardian kind of thing. This wasn't that, this was mm -hmm. just probably like the most dominant single like mid-rangey card they've printed it wasn't like it creates a single weird interaction that mm -hmm. is a problem right it was just it was just like it has three modes and the numbers and all three of them are a little too tweaked yeah um to be fair i don't think any of these cards like none of these cards are going to fit like the three-week model thing but no but i wouldn't i don't think i have an issue with the other two really like yeah the, but fable i think is something that slips through the cracks of their new philosophy mm. and is an issue and this is from someone who you know loved this card i played a lot of this card but even i was like that's enough of this fucking card like mm -hmm. every game every single game is about i'm on the draw is there anything in this hand that can do something about a turn three fable every single game yeah i mean I, I agree with that. I don't feel nearly the same about it than I do like All Runs Epiphany and like... Yeah, and, and All Runs Epiphany is the kind of thing they'll catch, I think, mm -hmm. maybe. Actually, I don't know if they would have, but like, presumably, it's like just kind of a stupid interaction kind of thing of, oh, we didn't realize Galvanic Iteration and All Runs Epiphany would be so miserable. Just, uh, not even that, because it was good before that, too. It was just like... That card was just like, fuck, here's an extra turn and also some attackers. But, but it was also, it was good with like Sultai Ultimate. Like there were other cards that kind of put it on the map. It's um, true. But yeah, hopefully they learned their lesson that you can't make an extra turn discard bad enough because you print other cards that make that matter less. Because, oh, look at all, think of all the cool cards you could play for free if you played this card. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> fuck off. Come on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that like, yes, I was, I'm very happy that Fable's gone. I was ready for it to be gone. Um, but 
at the same time, like, would it have killed me if it got banned in like August instead? I was also fine waiting for rotation. Um, so it's nice it's gone now. But like the biggest reason why I was like the three year thing for rotation for standard was going to be such a horrible possibility is like, I was really looking forward to Fable no longer being in the format. But I wasn't right. so upset about Fable being in the format that I thought that it was busted. Uh, busted uh, I, that I thought that it was unplayable format. It basically, it didn't make me feel angry and enraged every time I tried to play against it or play like I just like hated it. I never had those feelings. Not that all ban worthy cards give you those feelings, but um, if it was wrote, if it rotated out in September or was banned in August with the new setup, I probably would also have been fine. These bands are welcome and nice to have them early, but I, I would have probably been okay if this, if it lasted through the summer. Yeah, I guess I, my thoughts are that if this wasn't what they were announcing, I think they would have banned Fable a few months ago. Um, okay. At least. But because they were like, we're about to push it to like three-year rotation, I think Fable kind of was on like, like it just got allowed longer, a longer stay than it otherwise would have. Basically like Basically, what they're doing is they're restricting themselves, but they're trying to present it as giving themselves flexibility or mm -hmm. like giving themselves uh, cadence, right? But they are restricting themselves for cards like this that don't pass their criteria of it's obviously crazy three weeks after. Yeah. Um, and they just... They, I think they risk falling behind the eight ball here. If they're only, if their one year ban announcement is three cards a year, and then they have this emergency ban system that's not going to catch some of the cards that, like in recent memory, have really caused problems. Like, sure, it'll catch the Okos and the Omnaths and the Felidar Guardians, but like there are plenty of cards that have kind of risk ruining standard even more than they would have in the past now that we're moving to three years, like it's going to accumulate, right? There's going to mm. be, we're basically pushing the length of time the standard is open and narrowing the number of cards we're allowed to ban in a year. Mm. So what's going to happen is it's going to be a prolonged experience of uh, innovative drought. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, like if we're, because that is the, the weird thing that, that they, had told us to my understanding that there was going to be no standard bands in August with the modern and legacy and pioneer bands and whatever else's bands and in, in August before wilds of Eldraine. And this was supposed to be it. And in that circumstance where that is actually correct, um, this is definitely not enough, but I think that this summer will prove that they'll have to do something in August. I'm probably going to eat my words when I say that, but like it makes it feel like that. It's also like, hey, just like don't, I don't know. It, it feels like, <laughs> it feels like don't print cards that are just obviously good all the time. Um, 
but then it also makes it yeah that's just never gonna happen yep. for them basically like... they're just like shifting blame here they're like hey people are blaming us the people who decide to ban cards for a format being bad let's basically absolve ourselves of that oh we can only ban cards once a year and like we're gonna have three sets and they're gonna shift all the blame to the designers and okay say, sure hey guys don't design cards that are too good because they'll be around for three years it's like that on, is a like, good point because those people are different in different departments completely and the band people and the tournament people would be like hey I, unless it, this is coming from design and they're like they haven't announced that they're taking a huge philosophy change like we're not getting another like fire design thing or whatever um they have said but, that they wanted to focus on like i don't know synergy based this stuff but like we're not i think that you're right i i think that's right that these the people who are who are making bands do want to kind of shift the blame a little bit and not have to worry about it um though they're also dealing with it because op department is pushing for three years for paper so they can push standard paper events that people want to go to so i think it's like somebody made a decision this is probably exactly what happened somebody made a decision hey we want this to happen how's that going to work hey department make a fix for it and this department's like wait wait wait, i don't want to do that but i guess we have to so all right this is my fix and then they push to the next department they're like oh i don't like that either we haven't planned for this this isn't going to go well and they're like well you got to do it and they're like okay well um i guess this is the solution and that's basically what happened and then they pushed to the alchemy department and they were like Nah. Yeah, alchemy just fucking does whatever the fuck it wants, <laughs> and they just like sit there and like say, "No, I'm not doing that." And You're like, blah, nah, blah. that change sucks. Yeah, I'm not gonna and, do that. And also, it's maybe af- respect alchemy. I almost wanted to play alchemy after that. <laughs> after that, I just don't understand why. And, and when we're saying this, we're saying alchemy has decided that it only rotates like every two years, not three years. <laughs> They're just like no, <laughs> and. And it's crazy to me that like it seems like even in the like talking to the people who are in the company they're like yeah they they just they do something else they, they, they do, do whatever. Whatever. i don't know i don't really know of anything about that which is hilarious because like they're so far detached did you see wait wait jeff this was totally something we should have done in like the the uh, like uh, magic news and stuff but there were two nerfs in alchemy that they made oh no do you know what the nerfs are? No idea. Okay, so there are two red cards that got nerfed in alchemy. Um, so wait, wait, let me go to the article. This is so funny. I can't believe I forgot this. and I'm so mad um, because I remember <laughs> reading this and being like, what the fuck? So first I want to say, do you, do you have like, I know you said you don't have any guesses really, or you don't know what they are. But like, well, if you're thinking... my guess would obviously be Fable of the Mirror but based on the way you're presenting this story, I'm guessing that that was not. If if you said told me two red cards were nerfed, I'd say maybe Fable of the Mirror and Reflection of Kiki Jiki. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> just the two faces of the same card. Um, okay, so uh, I want to I want to get this right, and I'm looking for this this announcement because it was um buried there's a ton of like uh, lord of the Rings stuff that came out so uh there's like a million of those articles 
but this was in the MTGA arena announcements that they do every Monday. If you're just not involved in that, but um, okay, more realistically, if I had another red card, I would guess the stupid red black pirate guy that like draws infinite cards in okay. alchemy. Okay, yeah, yeah Crucius. That, yeah. yeah, so uh, that is uh, a really great guess. Um, <laughs> however, that's not uh, no, that, not, that's, not Fable and that guy. No, not the two busted red cards that uh, you would think they would they would change in alchemy and historic. Um, I think this is probably specifically <laughs> looking at alchemy and also for whatever reason, probably specifically looking at best of one alchemy. It's got to be because okay. they have they have changed and nerfed uh, Kumano faces Kakazan. Uh, okay. the, the nerf is that when it flips over, the creature no longer has haste. That's, that's oh, the what? nerf. Yeah. So it does all the normal things and it flips over into a 2-2 that doesn't have haste and just exiles your opponent's creatures when they die. So that's the nerf. Um, apparently, mono red. I hate was, that. Yeah, too powerful. And uh, the other <laughs> red card that needed to be murfed because it was way too good, like this card needed God, to what be, is this gonna be? <laughs> pulled back. Um, this is an, an alchemy card. Uh, so it's just one of those alchemy ones, but it's traumatic prank. Do you remember this? Do you remember traumatic prank? It was, it was it was one of the alchemy cards for um Nuka Pena. Uh -huh. And it was I would have like, guessed that, that it yeah. was Nuka Pena. So it was it was like a three mana sorcery that like you could gain control of target creature. So you active treason it, you untap it, and it perpetually gains haste, and this creature can't block, and at the beginning of your upkeep, this creature deals one damage to you. Remember, it right. was like it was like this interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. like I loved that that card. You know, yeah, I mean, I never played it, but I yeah. loved the design of it. Yeah, so apparently uh, this card was, this Act of Treason uh, variant was too powerful and had to be nerfed to cost four mana instead of three. Jeez. And yeah. those are the changes the arena devs have done for Alchemy to fix yeah. the format. You must be right. It must be like Mono Red is too good and best of one. Mm -hmm. One's a main deck card, one's a sideboard. Well, I guess there are no sideboard cards. Yeah. One is just good, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is like, okay. <laughs> so, what? Like, none of these were issues in historic and like arena championships. None of, I don't understand yeah. this at all. Like, <laughs> it's it just seems so Weird. laughable and stupid. <laughs> and they haven't, there's no more uh, like arena or like alchemy cards for any of the sets recently like what the fuck is happening they must have a much larger best of one fan base and have just decided to like stick to that which might also coincide maybe. with their like two-year rule like yeah maybe no three-year best of one sounds awful no thank you yeah so anyway <laughs> that might be something for another episode where we kind of rip into alchemy like we do sometimes but <laughs> um crazy 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 anyway since we've gotten so off topic um we could probably wrap this guy up because i know we're yeah. hammering these hard these bands and our disappointment slash trying to understand it but ultimately i do think possible like it's probably settled where there's a bunch of different departments in this company once somebody makes a decision everyone has to scramble to figure out how they're going to make it work slash uh, do their part and how it's going to affect their department. And this is what's been come up with by all the different departments. 
and we'll see how it works. And they'll probably get rid of it be right before it starts working. Yeah, I don't know. This this seems like uh, this seems like it's hurtling towards failed experiment territory. Mm -hmm. Like I said it before, I just don't understand what data they're looking at because my experience with magic players is like the people who don't play standard because it's two years but will play at three it's like it's not that large a subset no. and i know it, it, i can't no even one. believe it's it's bigger it's hard for me to believe that's a bigger percentage of people than the people who will play at two but won't play at three like mm -hmm. that feels like a wash to me so I don't know. This just feels like they're making one of my favorite formats worse. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they're kind of shifting the onus to the design team. The design team now has to think harder about some of the cards they create because it could be around for so much longer in standard. Um, and like, not only have they not really shown an ability to do that, but like, Hasbro's breathing down their necks to create powerful cards that they can sell. That's what leads to these things. So, like, mm. I don't know, is the plan to just power creep so insanely that the rotation timeline doesn't matter because every year the cards will be so much better than the last that they might as well rotate? Mm. Like, <laughs> I, that's the only way out of this, right? Like, yeah. Because usually they pull back for a year if they create an overpowered set. Now that doesn't do anything. They have mm -hmm. to pull back for two years. <laughs> or ban a set. I would love to just see all, every card from the set is banned. <laughs> yeah, just, it's called rotation. Yeah, that's true. But like just have <laughs> one specific set in the middle. It's like just every, this one's rotating. That every, the other yeah. one's, Call time <laughs> is rotating. Everything else is fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Neon so, Dynasty can GTFO, but you can yeah. still play stuff from You can uh, play Streets of New Capena. Yeah. All um, that's all. Yeah. All, to you. all you. All you. So yeah, I think that's what we kind of feel like. We're gonna have a lot of feelings <laughs> about this for a long time. It's gonna change, obviously. Um so we'll we'll really it's, have to play it to see and it's just and, gonna make me play more explorer, to be honest. Like Probably. If it's all going to be non-rotating formats, anyways, like what's the, the fuck? I'll play. Yeah, yeah. Just just play Explorer. I'll play the one that costs me fewer wild cards. You know. Yeah, which is the whole the point. New cards don't matter. Like that's the whole point of like playing <laughs> eternal formats anyway. Is that you pick your favorite deck and you play that all the time? And yeah. standard was supposed to be the breath of, breath of fresh air away from that. The turns and changes, and this is. Right one step in the so, right I don't, yeah that's why i said i don't understand how this sells more standard cards right like yeah. sells fewer standard cards in my yeah. you know on the surface unless they're just planning to power creep like crazy yeah and blow up everything anyway thanks hasbro jeff let's end this episode because i'm getting worked up <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so making me mad making me mad we're going to last call uh where uh we rate the two beers we had this evening on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tears in arena. And uh, also don't feel bad if we kind of talk about the tier you're currently in and then maybe a negative light because, uh, well, everybody's in different tiers at different times. It doesn't really matter. And this is just a fun way to rank beers. Um, I think I'm like 
in at least silver and gold and most of my stuff like it just the oh, tears the so tears don't matter embarrassing yeah <laughs> oh right yeah no it, no it's not it doesn't matter what tier you're in yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure um anyway uh with that being said bronze beers are trash they're horrible you can't drink them you have to spit them out you have to pour them on the ground uh they're not even worth the alcohol inside silver beers are boring um uh, just not super interesting macro brews fall into this category um gold beers are fine but you probably wouldn't really think about them or drink them again platinum is solid you will drink this again diamond beers are exceptional you will drink these often and show them to your friends and mythic these are the best of the best these are what you would ban in your yearly ban cycle wait no you don't want to ban your favorite beers no no anyways they're the best the fable of the mirror breakers so good someone else wants to get rid of them that's right the other breweries can't compete so yeah it ruins every other to... beer for you so you yeah you can't drink it anymore there we go we, we sort of got there <laughs> that makes sense um <laughs> jeff i feel like i kind of have a toss-up but like i think i know which one i'm gonna go for um, yeah do you have yours yep all right here we go three two one let's Marco go Polo. exploring oh so I want to say that I totally missed the uh, theme we had going on here. Uh, Marco Polo oh. was literally an explorer. Wait, that's <laughs> just, so funny. just dawned on me. <laughs> Completely <laughs> accidental, folks. But, uh... How did we not talk about this earlier? That's amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally the explorer episode that we have here, and we're not even talking about explorer. But I guess besides the fact that. Don't play standard, play explore. That ten, that, there that's we go. Hey, we, we, yeah, we thought about this. We brought Game it falls. all together for the big reveal. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jeff, let's, let's talk about the beer we're drinking right now. Let's go exploring. Yeah. This sure. double dry hopped IPA. Um, pretty good. <laughs> that's my that's my in-depth analysis uh that's fine though it's all right it, it's a definitely a double dry hopped ipa like it yeah. is hoppy which yes. i like um they promised hops they delivered hops um i can taste the simcoe which is awesome too i don't know if i know what idaho seven really tastes like after having this um probably because my brain is just like that simcoe i know that flavor and then other flavors it doesn't know what to attribute to the idaho interesting i'm uh, wondering if like i'm tasting this and i'm like hmm that doesn't taste like the simcoe i thought that must be uh, idaho seven you have and the I'm, opposite exact yeah, opposite uh, exactly where i'm like yeah. i don't know if i like that one very much um, mm -hmm. um but like it's nothing to to write home about for me personally just tastes like a like a double dry hopped ipa um, that uses one of the hops that i i know i like yeah it's okay um i think the best thing that it has going for it is that i think the rest of eastbound their cans are small and these this is tall and that's like my favorite oh, part about it there we go yeah like, like so, i like the can design and stuff they they have like food pairings, which I always find funny. And then this is like a has a flight uh, thing going on. 
Yeah, it's like uh, something about like a ticket or something. Anyway, yeah. I, YYZ I, is the Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, airport. Uh, For said. I know you know that, but <laughs> probably don't know that. <laughs> no, no, I know you know that Pearson is YYZ. Um, uh, said YYZ. No, it's YYZ. It's uh, it's it's Toronto Pearson, I think. I think yeah, I'm right on this one. No, I mean, <laughs> like when I say it, it's YYZ. What does that look like? Mm. Anyway, um, we don't... <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. This beer was fine. I, um, it's gold. I'm not going to drink it again. And it's, it's absolutely good. gold. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm going to finish this, and uh, I'm going to ex go explore other beers um, that are not that one. Um, mm -hmm. That that sounds so harsh, but like I I thought maybe it would work. Anyway, Indy Ale House, the Italian Pilsner. Um, you know what? I, I picked this one because I, I think that I like Italian Pilsners a lot. Like, I feel like this hasn't been the first time I've tried an Italian Pilsner where I've been like, oh, that's actually, I like that quite a bit. Um, so I think that just is the first time it's really clicked with me. That's like, I think that that is a style that I enjoy a lot more than I think when I'm looking at stuff at the store. Um, cause they always feel like they're full of flavor and um just feel like just strong and classic and like there you know what i mean i don't know if you yeah are the same way would you prefer um, non-italian pilsner i don't know can i give something bronze for blowing up all over my desk or is did i actually have to rate that it's taste no like it was fine um i have not necessarily had that experience with italian pilsners i did like Actually, my honeymoon was in Italy, and there was a brewery we went to there oh. in, in Rome that was awesome. And I was like, man, this is so cool. And I think maybe I went to, like, well, I definitely went to this Michelin-starred restaurant in Florence, and I think they had, like, a local brew on tap that was also quite good. But, like, for the most part, breweries were kind of few and far between there. So mm. I wonder how much marketing is really going on with this being in a an Italian style Pilsner. Oh yeah. As... They just like don't seem to have much of a beer culture at gotcha. all. Um I can wonder So how... I kind of think like Peroni when I think of Italian style Pilsner. That's just gotcha. what my brain goes to. And this was probably better than Peroni, but I don't know by by Which how much. Funny because like I don't like Peroni very much. Maybe I should revisit Peroni because I liked this one like seems like also my solid compromised due to the uh, excessive <sighs> apparent excessive shaking yeah maybe you just lost some, some some fizz or something um yes. but uh but yeah in my mind peroni maybe that's another one we should do for a um yeah like a one of our silver series. <laughs> silver series because i in my mind peroni is not good and uh i like this one so maybe Maybe I have some revisiting to do, but uh, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's low platinum. Like, okay. I think I'll probably think more about this in the future and like reevaluate my Italian beers in my mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if I'm getting stuff from indie, I'll probably pick up one of these to be like, oh yeah, I, I like that one. So Sweet. I was yeah. going to give this silver. Whoa, okay. Boring. 
to me. But... Really? It felt like it wasn't boring to me. And I was attributing that to the Italian style, but. Could be. Who yeah. yeah. Who knows? Anyway, um, that's what we think about those things. Uh, let's go to closing time and wrap this baby up. So as always, you can find us at Irregulars on Twitter and Instagram if you want to tell us what the difference between uh, Pilsner and Italian-style Pilsners are, because we are a beer podcast that knows some things about beer, but not everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you may also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. You can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram, but Jeff, where can they find you? best place is the discord channel i go by at regular jeff i will probably be sharing my latest rakdos sacrifice brew in whatever format you want i probably have a list for it um so go check out the discord channel and also please leave us a review on apple podcasts follow us on spotify and leave us a review there go to our youtube channel subscribe do all the things um Hitting all those bases and, uh, you know, giving us feedback, it just, it means a lot to us and that's what we care about the most. Uh, growing the channel is great, but we would re really love to hear your feedback. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that finally, finally, traumatic prank has been nerfed in alchemy. Good night. All right, that's fine.